Welcome back to the second part of the show. While we were away, did you have any brainstorms as you think through your spiritual life? Is it more involved than you thought it might be, or maybe a little more approachable when you break it into the different components? I know for me, personally, I do always find it a little easier to attack the different components than just backing up and seeing everything all at once. It's just impossible to do that. It really helps me to break my life into little chunks and evaluate each one. So hopefully you find that true for you as well. If not, hey, find a different way to do it. (laughs) This is not magic. This is not inspired. Uh, This is just one of the things that I have done that I have found valuable as I consider my spiritual life and that desire to be intentional about growing. For now, let's go ahead and go on with the second half. So we've looked at prayer life, Bible time, and outreach as three areas where we want to intentionally evaluate. Now let's go on to discipleship of believers. Now, there is a a part of this that I think is really important, and you could almost say that this is the summary of discipleship of believers and includes almost everything that you need. And it might actually do that. I haven't studied and thought through maybe enough to consider. But if you look at every time it says one another in the New Testament and the things that it tells us to do together, when it's talking about that one another, it's talking about the church family. It's talking about the body of Christ. So as we live out the one another's We are practicing a lot of this discipleship of believers. It includes teaching. It includes includes, uh, equipping. It includes uh, comforting and encouragement and all these things that are definitely part of this role of discipleship, of discipling each other. So if you haven't done it, I say it fairly consistently because I think it's super important. You should look through the New Testament. Look online. Make it really easy for yourself. Google one another's of the New Testament, and you'll find lots of places where someone has already done the work of making a list of every time it says something, something, one another, love one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, comfort one another, teach one another. Go through that list and think about what it says about your relationship with the church. Go through that list and think about how you can be intentional about living that out in a way that helps someone else grow. And that's really what we're talking about when we mean discipling one another. We're trying to help someone else take steps towards Christ-likeness, towards Jesus. Now, the one another's are a big part of that. I think they are a huge part of living out this body of Christ, the life, the, the Christian life, the church life. And if you take it one step further and say, how do my gifts play into this? Now, you may have the gift of encouragement. So you say, well, encourage one another. That's mine. I can totally do that. Okay, take a step back because the one another's don't say, if it's your gift, encourage each other. But if it's not, you're off the hook. Now, I think we're all to make an attempt to intentionally try to do those. As an encourager, how do you teach someone else? As an encourager, how do you bear their burdens? As an encourager, as an encourager, encourager, how do you uh, rebuke someone? How, how do you correct someone as an encourager? Okay, maybe you come in and say, "Well, I'm a teacher." 
That's my gift. So I got to teach one another, got that down. Perfect. As a teacher, how do you encourage someone? How do you, as a teacher, bear their burdens? So your gifting affects how you live out the one another's, not whether or not you do it. We have that opportunity and responsibility to live out the one another's, even when we don't have the gifting for that specific uh, one another. So use your gifts. And side note, you do know what your gifts are, right? <laughs> That's one of those things that you should be trying to, to learn. As a, a follower of Christ, you should be looking at how you serve the church. What does it look like? What are the ways that are comfortable for you? What are the ways that you're good at? What are the places where you see fruit as you serve? So your gifts definitely affect your fruitfulness in serving the church, but they don't mean that you're off the hook from doing the other things that are not, that you're not good at. So part of what's really important here, maybe the underlying theme as we think about the one another's and using our gift is that we have to spend a lot of quality time with our church family. And I think this is one of the places where in the church today, we're really struggling because of busyness. We've already mentioned this. That's the thing that really hurts us with our spiritual life because the spiritual life takes time. There is no aspect in the spiritual life that you just rush through. It's, it is all uh, time-based. Time you, you, you need time. You need meditative time. You need quality time with other believers. You need quality time in conversation to do outreach well. You need time. So I would say, putting this in the middle here, <laughs> if you want to improve your spiritual life, the one thing you have to do is evaluate What's going to be next on the list? Time management. How can I squeeze out some more time to put into these things? I mean, how do you spend it? When we think about discipleship of believers, to go through that list of the one another's and ask, how do I do that? What does that look like? I've often encouraged people to take some of those, take one like bear one of those burdens. I think that's a good one because it has multiple parts to it, and it's not something you can take lightly or do lightly. When you think about bearing one of those burdens, first you have to ask yourself, what in the world does that mean? How do I do that? Well, you have to know what someone else's burdens are, and every person's different. They're unique. They don't have the same burdens as everyone else who sits in their same row. If you're going to bear someone's burdens, you have to know what they are. So again, it's going to require time. It's going to require some intentional effort on your part to figure out who is this person and how do I help them? You're going to have to spend quality time with a church family. There's no way around it if you want to really be part of uh, discipling them and helping them to grow in Christ-likeness. You know, the goal is to help, encourage, and walk beside other people as they pursue Jesus. And the one another gives you a good picture of what that looks like. This is how this relationship develops, how it grows. We have to be really invested in each other. So discipleship of believers is really about using your gifts to help other people to grow. That's simple, very easy to say, but like so many things in the Christian life, it's easy to say that. It's so much harder to do. And it's hard to do because, well, one, people are prickly. <laughs> Let's put it kindly. <laughs> but people can be hard to deal with sometimes. Uh, 
they can be difficult to help and resist help and be uh, standoffish and, and I want to do it myself. And there's lots of things like that that can hinder your ability to help someone, to walk alongside them. But there's also your own sin, your own selfishness to deal with. My own, you know, I think about myself, my own lack of humility and selfishness keep me from from really serving the church the way that that I should. So I have to face that reality. So spending quality time with the church, one, might not always be comfortable, and two, it, it might be not be what I want to do. I, I have other things that I want to do with my life that make me happier. So it becomes all about me. So discipleship of believers requires some humility and some self-sacrifice. And I think that's ultimately, as we pursue Jesus, that's one of the reasons this is so important. The one and others require you to be growing in Christ-likeness. To, if you're going to live them out well, you have to be pursuing Jesus yourself and learning what it means to be like Him. Comes down to the next one, time management. This is such a big thing. If you want to live out the one another's, it will take time. You can't show up two minutes before your church meets and leave as soon as the service is over and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing my part. Um, you're probably not, <laughs> particularly if you're not being really intentional the rest of the week. And if you're not willing to give that little bit around the time your church officially meets, it's hard to imagine that you're going to give it the rest of the week when you have so many other things going on and you don't feel guilty for not showing up. So how are you doing with your time management? Now, this is daily, weekly, yearly. Your whole life is ultimately lived ideally to the glory of God. And if we don't manage it well, then we, we find we don't have the time for those things that are really critical. We struggle with our prayer life. Why is that? Well, it takes time. You know, often the people who struggle with their prayer life, really it comes down to time management. They want to give it five minutes and they feel like, well, I just really, I struggled to pray. And this, you know, five or 10 minutes they give it. Well, you know, if you could squeeze out, <laughs> manage your life a little differently and had an hour, well, then you can struggle for five or 10 minutes and before you get started, but you can still have a really good quality prayer time because you gave yourself enough time to get past all those things that are bouncing around in your head that are distracting you. I know that's often my problem. So I often end up needing to start with a notebook and first say, what is everything that I'm thinking about right now? And I need to write it down. Don't forget to do this. I need to call that person. I've got to buy some of this. And, and just thinking through all these things that are in my mind. And once I get them all out, okay, now I can pray. And sometimes in the middle, you think of one other thing. Well, you write it down. I'm not thinking about that now, but I've written it down, so I'm not going to forget it. So then my mind lets go of it. And I can turn my time to prayer. But if I only have five minutes, well, I don't have time to do that. And then you're trying to cram in prayer time with all these things bouncing around your mind. I don't know about you, but I don't find that very helpful. So time management is important to make sure that you have enough time to get to the prayer, to get to the Bible reading. If you set time for to reading God's Word... And so I just have time to read four or five verses. Well, that's way better than nothing, but it's not as good as spending a little more time, particularly to take the time to read whatever you're going to read, a, a few verses or a few chapters, to read it, and then make sure you also have the time to meditate on it, to think through it. So what is it I'm learning here? What is it I'm supposed to be applying? That has to be part of that time. At least you have to have that time somewhere. So time management is part of how you negotiate your life and all of your responsibilities so that you have time to do what's really important. 
you may have to ask, do I need a schedule? Now, a lot of us that work, <laughs> if you have a job that requires strict time, you may have, I don't really need a schedule. I just need to know when I'm going to be at work. And then the rest of your life, it's easier to deal with. Maybe you're someone who has a flexible schedule and you actually need to schedule your time. You need to put on your calendar, uh, on your daily schedule, this is when I'm going to give uh, some time to prayer, some time to Bible study, some time to uh, really seeking out other believers to encourage them. You may find that you need a schedule that includes these things because otherwise you forget about it or you get distracted or you don't do it for some other reason. And maybe that reason's because you haven't thought through clearly and have a priority list. You know, for me, uh, I regularly try to go through and think through my priorities and my big priorities are set. You know, I know where God is on the list. He's first. I know where my, my wife and my kids are. I have my priority list, but it goes down so far, and then you have all this, these things that are kind of gray. Like they're things I'd like to accomplish, but how important are they really? Am I allowing some of those things that are uh, maybe I would like to do? Are they taking the place of things I should do? So a priority list in combination with your schedule, can allow you to make sure that you get the things done that you really know you should do. So the question as we think about evaluating our time management is how am I doing and putting in the most important things into my life? Is God first? I say that He's first, but does it look like that when I look at my calendar? Does it look like that when I look at my daily schedule of what I'm trying to accomplish every day or every week? Because that, that whole life picture is really going to be the sum of your daily and weekly choices. Your, your year looks a lot like how you chose for it to look day in and day out over the last year. When you look back and you see the things that you accomplished, it's because you gave them time every week, very consistently. If your spiritual life is important then what you'll find is you're consistently giving time to the activities that will help you to grow. So time management really is a key to a lot of these things. You have to give time to all of these consistently if you're to grow. How much time? Well, that's where you have some negotiation to do. (laughs) Is there a way to squeeze out some things? Now, I know some people combine some aspects of some of these with maybe travel as an example. Uh, I know people that have maybe take public transport transport to work or uh, they drive. And so they'll use that time maybe to listen to God's word and to meditate on it as they drive or as they sit on a train. Uh, Maybe they'll spend some of that time praying So there are ways to combine some of these things, but you have to be intentional about it. It doesn't accidentally happen. I mean, if you're going to listen to the Bible as you go uh, to work, you're going to have to have prepared and you're going to have to be ready to do that. There are some great Bible on MP3s or audio Bibles, uh, Bible apps that you can use, but you have to be prepared to do that. And then you actually have to follow through. If it's a priority, there are ways to fit these things into your life. I know one thing that I first heard probably junior high or high school, people have time to do what they want to do. You know, most of us, no matter how busy we are, we do what we want to do. You're not working all day, every day. 
you have time. Now, you may be tired. You may not want to do what's most important, but you have the time. We just choose not to use it. What I think when we do put God first, when we make sure He gets our prime time, I think a lot of our other choices are easier and we make better choices. One of those, we go into the next one with exercise. I think this goes hand in hand with time management as being something that we do poorly at. You know, the Bible tells us that your body is the temple of the living God. Well, do you treat it like that? Okay, that's basically a stewardship issue in the same way that time management is a stewardship issue. You're given a certain amount of time. Well, you're given a certain level of health and physical potential. In both cases, why are you given time? Why are you given a physical body? Well, God gives them to you to use in His service. Now, if you understand that, it absolutely affects how you use your time and how you use your physical resources as well. How have you taken care of what you have? Now, if you understand that God is first, that He has given me all of my time and He can take it away at any point in time. He has given me my physical health, whatever level that's at, and He can take it away at any point in time. It's going to affect how you use it. Now, how do you make the decisions about what you put in your time management schedule and what you do with your body? Well, we go back to how do, where do we get those things from? Well, if we're spending the time in prayer and in God's Word and in fellowship with His church, a lot of those decisions are easier because we recognize God's doing something that's bigger than me. God has given me an opportunity to be part of what He's doing. So rather than pursuing just the things that I want to do, pursuing what will make me happy, I'm looking at things from a different perspective. What perspective is that? What's the perspective from that foundation of God's Word, which allows me to change my worldview and see the world not just from what's right in front of me today, but from the perspective of eternity. You know, one of the things that often helps me is I step back and say, you know, one day I am going to stand in front of God. And I'm going to give an account for the choices I've made, for for what I've done. And I think in many, many cases, I'm going to be sad that I've made poor choices. (laughs) However, part of my understanding and my theology and my understanding of what the Bible teaches, I'll be justified based on what Christ did, not based on what I did. But I'll still have an opportunity to go through my choices and see rewards and see opportunities to understand how my choices glorified God or didn't. And when I want to stand before God and be able to rejoice that I made at least some choices that glorified Him. So that affects how I use my time. It affects how I've chosen to live my life, which includes things like exercise. So personally, the thing that affected me the most in this area was four and a half years of what is called pre-filled, going around to different churches and sharing this ministry in Japan and how we're preparing to go there. And along the way, we saw numerous, numerous, numerous pastors and uh, full-time Christian workers who are uh, who, who are really out of shape. I mean, they really gave little to no thought to their physical condition. And they focused on the spiritual and said, well, there's a side to where you admire that. They really pursued God spiritually 
and learned and they had the knowledge and they had the, the ability to be great servants, but physically they were falling apart. Now, there were many, many who are around 60 that just go, wow, they're just really falling apart. And you can see how some of it's the consequences of poor life choices. Now, so I saw that. And I just thought that was normal because, hey, I live in America, right? Everybody's overweight. <laughs> Not everybody, just 60, 70 percent. Bad for all of us. But I got to Japan. Okay, Japan is not like America yet. We're, they're getting there. <laughs> but one of my first neighbors was this guy who was in his late 70s, and he was still farming like three-quarter time, uh, working really hard, and physically he was in good shape. And a lot of guys, some of them had been uh, office workers, some had been uh, working a, in a factory or, or working for a big company, but all of them, consistently, they were in much better shape than their equivalent in America. And as I looked at that and I saw, well, some of these guys were like 80 and they're still, you know, chugging right along. Where this guy at 60 in America was like, he's looking at the end of his ministry. So that's, a, that's 20 years of ministry difference just by taking good care of your physical body. So I really became convinced I want to be someone who, who is a good steward of the health that God's given me, the same way I want to be a good steward of the finances that I have, the same way I want to be a good steward of the time that I have. So as I made that choice, I've consistently tried to live that. That's a priority that I have, and I do think it's a stewardship issue. I want to be a good steward of everything God has given me. So as you think about your own health, I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you've neglected it for a long time. Well, you can start today and be a better steward going forward. It is a stewardship issue, and I think we'll be given an opportunity to give an account one day. So exercise, I think, is one of those things that we need to evaluate. How can we do better? Well, is that eating better? Most of us could eat better. Is it exercising more? Most of us could exercise more. Uh, there are lots of different ways, lots of opportunities in America to get into better shape. And I think there is some benefit there. It's not the most important thing, obviously, but as we look at the New Testament, we look at how God made us, I do think there's some benefit to seeking to be at least reasonably healthy. Now, the last one is this catch-all, personal spiritual growth. So when we think about all these we've looked at, prayer, Bible time, outreach, discipleship of believers, time management, exercise, what else do you do that contributes to your spiritual life? Now, probably a lot of things, your church family involvement, you know, attendance at different programs and activities. That's part of it. Uh, service to others. You know, are you humbly serving others? Even outside of Sunday in the, the worship service, you may have opportunities to serve then, play piano, or uh, maybe you're a deacon, or maybe you have an opportunity to help park cars. You know, there's lots of opportunities on Sunday, but are you serving others in other times? Here's a good one. Are you practicing the spiritual disciplines. Now, that's not something I put on this evaluation because that's certainly not a requirement. But when I have considered my life and the opportunities I've had to grow, I definitely have seen real benefit to, to studying and applying the spiritual disciplines. So fasting is the one that most people are familiar with. And, you know, I've said it before, but it's not just from food. That is the one we we. Think of first, it's the one the Bible typically uses, but 
when we think about fasting, I think there's a place for looking at your life and saying, what could I remove for a time to pursue God more? So when we think about our busyness, there often are things that we're doing that we can take away that would give us a little more time. Maybe we need to do that permanently, but some things are temporary. You know, I've had different interns and people who have spent time with me who, you know, have earphones, earbuds in all the time. It's like, you know, maybe they could take that away for a while, whether it's music or podcast or whatever they're listening to, and say, spend some time with God. Spend some time in prayer. And just that one little thing that they take away actually has the the effect of giving them a little more intentionality in pursuing Christ. So what can you take away? What can you add? I, I would encourage you to look up and, and study the spiritual disciplines. There is value there. Spending time in solitude, in silence, uh, spending time, as Jesus did, getting away from the, the bustle, getting away from busyness and saying, God, I want to pursue you better. What does that look like? How do I do that? And I think asking that question is important. What do I do now? And what could I do better? How am I doing in these different areas? And how could I improve? So remember the desire, as Paul challenged Timothy, is to pursue godliness and righteousness and holiness. Well, it's not complicated to look at your life and say, well, what would make this pursuit easier? What could I do that would make it a little more likely that I would choose well. You know, with exercise is always a good one uh, as an example. You know, I have run for a long time, never really liked running, but it's, it's easy to do. It doesn't require a lot of equipment. You can do it from about anywhere. But because I don't really enjoy it necessarily, I have to kind of make it easy for me. So often I've been in times of life where what I would do is in the evening, I would put my running shoes, my running socks, my shorts, my shirt, you know, watch, whatever I'm going to take, and have that all prepared the night before so that when I get up, it's actually easier to put on my running clothes than anything else because everything else is still in a drawer. My running clothes are right there. Well, that's one little thing, but that actually makes that running a little bit easier. How can you do that with, say, your Bible time? Can you set your Bible on your kitchen table with a notebook and pen open to the passage that you're going to read and have the coffee maker time, timer set and you're ready to get up and actually some, spend some time with God? Well, I think that makes it easier. And there are things like that you can do to make it easier. Having that prayer sheet handy, having some passive scripture picked out ahead of time to read as you begin your prayer time. That can make it easier. So what can you do to make it easier to pursue Christ. And another question similar is how can you include others in the journey? Now, this is something we come back to over and over again. We're not meant to do this alone. You have an opportunity to invite others into your spiritual life and to have an impact in their spiritual life. So hopefully this has been encouraging to you today. Prayer life, Bible time, outreach, discipleship of believers, time management, exercise, and personal spiritual growth. They're all important. <laughs> And I think, I think we can grow. I think we can apply some intentional effort and be part of what God's doing in our life. Well, thanks for joining me today. If you have questions or comments about today's show, email me, norman at runwithhorses.net, or look up the Run With Horses podcast Facebook page, or just look at runwithhorses.net. 
I'd love to hear from you. Whatever you do, keep pursuing Jesus and keep running.